Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. And you know that preacher scared me last week. He talked about me that I had pastored at Parkview for 35 years. And I thought, my, he must have word of knowledge. I, I, it scared me. I called home to see if everything's still okay down there <clears throat> and whether I still pastor. <clears throat> but I'm just kidding you. Hey, the only word of knowledge we have from God today is right here. Uh, but uh, I'm still pastoring. God hadn't put me out to, uh, to uh, pastor yet. And uh, we'll see how that works out. But it's good to be here. Thank you, preacher, for the privilege to speak. And I want to invite your attention to the book of Galatians in the very first chapter. <coughs> and if you'll find, as you find this place, if you would stand with me as we honor the reading of the Word of God. We're going to begin in the first chapter in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Father, thank you again this morning for the blessing of having a good church to attend. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather this morning freely, blessed to be able just to worship you and not afraid that we're going to be arrested or persecuted for it. And Father, we pray your special presence among us today. Lord, we need you. We need to know your will for our life, and we need the grace from you to follow your will. So Lord, as we preach this morning, may the name of Jesus be exalted. <clears throat> may people hear about the glorious freedom that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you increase and myself decrease. I beg in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this is uh, going to be our text this morning. I'm going to take you to, to some other places in the Bible, but... Hold your finger here because we'll always be coming back here. And I want to speak to you around the question, freedom or enslavement? Freedom is the cry of the Western world. Would you agree with that? Yes. We in the Western world are the champions, we believe, of freedom. 
But are we really free? Sometimes as I look around me, I don't think I see freedom as I want to see freedom. In fact, I see the opposite. I see enslavement. You know, for example, there is enslavement to debt. Our young people today are going in debt to buy a cell phone. I was a strapling youngster before I ever knew there was a phone. And now folks are paying over $1,000 for a phone to receive calls from somebody they don't want to talk to. Huh? You know, some of our folks would be bankrupt before they're old enough to hold a job. But I see also enslavement to pleasure. You know, our society is preoccupied with pleasure. Is that not true? Uh, You know, we'll do just about anything to feel good and to enjoy ourselves. And of course, uh, this often involves alcohol or uh, drugs. And by the way, those things enslave us, do they not? And you know how the world thinks. You see it on the TV. You see it in the magazines. You cannot have a good time. You cannot enjoy yourself without being stoned out of your mind or with a bottle of something in your hand. And more and more young people are becoming addicted to alcohol and tobacco before they're legally old enough to buy them. Ask yourself, is that freedom? What about the enslavement to the social media and the media in general? I mean, TV, Internet, these two things are enslaving millions of souls to promiscuity, to uh, profanity, and to pornography. You cannot turn on your TV. You cannot open your computer without seeing something Hardly that you do, shouldn't see. I, I saw a focus on the family uh, survey. And that survey found that 45% of Christians, now we're not talking about the general populace, but 45%, you can do the numbers, that's almost half of those who called themselves Christians And they said that pornography was not just a problem in their home, it was a major problem in their home. 45%. Also, this is not just confined to men. Women are involved in this. 
34% of the female readers of today's Christian woman admitted to intentionally accessing pornography. One third of those admitted to being addicted to it. Now folks, statistically speaking, I may be speaking to someone here this morning that's addicted to this terrible, terrible sin. I hope not. But when we look at the statistics, when we have a group of people, there's a good possibility that some of those are addicted to this awful sin. We need to face the fact that freedom that leads to enslavement is not freedom at all. It was Charles Kingsley that said, there are two freedoms. The false where a man is free to do what he wants or what he likes. And then the true where a man is free to do what he ought. And that's what I want to preach about today. I want to preach about a true freedom, a freedom that enables us to say no to the devil, no to self, and no to the world. And I believe that this freedom is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul gives us three reasons in our text this morning that we can find true freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, as we began, the gospel points us to a deliverer. Look with me in verse 4 of our text. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us... From this present evil world. And so the gospel points us to someone who can deliver us from this present wicked world. And this someone is Jesus who gave himself for our sins. We have a deliverer. We have someone who is able to step into our lives and to rescue us from a dying world, a world that's under the judgment of God. You know, when we, we, we speak of the world, we're speaking of a belief system that is prevalent in the world. A belief system that is anti God. The Bible has somewhat to say about this, and I would ask you to hold your place here and turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It gives us a glimpse. Now, also in Romans chapter 1, it talks about men uh, who knew God but then forgot about God. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and in verse 18, as we begin to read, Paul says, For the preaching of the gospel is to them that perish 
foolishness. It's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Now, I want you to pay attention because what we're about to read is going to tell us why those who deny the preaching of the cross as relevant to their lives are going to die without God. I Listen, it, If you do not believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you die that way, you're going to die without God. But read on in verse 19 with me. For it is written, here's what God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now the Greek word for destroy can also mean to mar or to render useless. And the word understanding, where God says I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That word has to do with mental ability, with the ability to put concepts and ideas together. And God says that when a man or a woman gets too smart for their own good, he said, I'll step in and help them get a little more ignorant than they were to start with. Look with me in verse 20. Where is the wife? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Now God never promised to save anybody by foolish preaching. But he promised to save people by the kind of preaching that the world deems as foolish. So it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And uh, I, I, let me stop right here. The Bible tells us that when men became too wise to believe that there's a God, when they became so smart that they could not believe that they had a creator. And and folks, can we not see this in the intellectual elites and the scientists, most of them, of our day? They're looking for people on other planets. And, And they're trying to tell us that our ancestors hung from trees. Folks, it's this kind of thinking. It's this system of thought that is anti-God and lies under the judgment of God and one day he's going to destroy it. But there's someone who gave himself for our sins 
and he can rescue us. Makes no difference how far we have gone into sin. Or it makes no difference how good we think we are. We all need a deliverer and we have someone in the Lord Jesus. As Stuart Diver lies there, he realizes that his end is near. You see, he was trapped under the rubble of a 1997 landslide in a Trebdo, New South Wales, New South Wales, Australia. There was nobody to rescue him. As he lay there under that rubble, he could hardly move, and he had given himself up as lost. He said, I'm going to die here because I have no way to get out. And suddenly one of the rescuers heard a sound and he told everyone to be quiet and, and he shouted out, is, is there anyone here? And it shocked Stuart for a moment and finally he said, I can hear you, I'm here, I'm here. And they got to him and brought him out. And he was saved only because he had someone who could rescue him. Folks, the only way that we can be saved from the wrath to come is to have someone who can rescue us out of the rubble and the sin and the shame of this life. My, he could, this man couldn't rescue himself. He had to have somebody else. You cannot save yourself. You may be the best person in Espanola, New Mexico, but you cannot save yourself from your sin. You must have a deliverer, and that deliverer is Jesus. Now, come back to our text for a moment. I want you to see this. Look in verse 4 again with me. Who gave himself for our sins. Do you see that? This is talking about Jesus. How did he, how did Jesus deliver us from our sins? Well, the Bible says he gave himself. Listen, when nothing else would work, when nothing else was enough, I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, for it is not Possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. After the blood of millions of bulls and goats that have been slain across 4,000 years and it could not take away a single sin. Not one. Bless the Lord, Jesus gave himself. 
You have a rescuer this morning. You have someone who has the power to save you from your sins if you'll come to Him. He's ready to come to your aid. Are you ready to receive Him? So the gospel points us to a deliverer. But secondly, it points us to a deliverance. Look at, look at this verse 4 in our text again. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Jesus has a purpose in saving you. His purpose is to free you from this world's power. You know, the world exerts a tremendous influence over all who live in it. It influences how we think and what we think about. It influences our morals and it influences our manners. It influences almost everything about our lives. But Jesus gave himself to deliver us from all of this world. Would you come back with me? Hold your place. But come back with me to the 8th chapter of John's Gospel. Let me give you an illustration for a moment about deliverance and about the need of deliverance. In John chapter 8, beginning to read in verse 32, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You see, these folks didn't believe they had a problem. I mean, they denied that they were enslaved. They were not in bondage, they said. And you know, they are like so many Americans today. They don't think they have a problem. And yet the most vile things come out of their mouth. I hear men and women today say things that make the devil cringe. Amen? And they don't believe that there's a problem and yet they spew all of this out of their mouths and on their Twitter pages and, and, uh, and they don't believe that they're in bondage to anybody or to anything. I'm American and I'm free to do as I can and want. But they're enslaved and they don't know it. Look in verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That's so plain it needs no explanation. 
and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, if Jesus shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus has promised that he can set a man or a woman or a boy or a girl free. And Jesus never made a promise that he could not keep. Regardless of your lifestyle or any particular sin you may be involved in, Jesus has the power to set you free from it. You know, the Apostle Paul put it this way. If you'll turn over to Colossians in the first chapter. Look at this with me. Colossians chapter 1. In verse 12, where Paul writes, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Folks, I think you'll agree, we live in a dark world. The world grows darker day by day. And in that darkness, there is the power of death, destruction, demonic activity. But in Christ, God is able to deliver us from the power of darkness and put us into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of light and love and joy and peace. Brethren, we have victory in Jesus, but we have only defeat within ourselves. Also, turn back one book to Philippians in chapter 3. Read this with me. You see, Jesus' purpose is to set us free from this world's power. But also, his purpose is to set us free from this world's presence. Here in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 20... Paul writes, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word conversation is an old English word and the Greek word that supports it means citizenship. Listen, if you're saved this morning, you may be a citizen of the United States. But if you're saved, you also have a higher, a more noble calling because you are also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. 
And guess what? All of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven are going to get a makeover. Look in the next verse, verse 21. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the workings whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know, most women, I think, like to get a makeover. Huh? Get your hair done, your nails. Huh? Now, don't sit there looking at me like a calf looking in a new gate. I know you like that. But I'm telling you, sister, you're going to have a makeover like you've never had before when Jesus comes. You're going to be young and vibrant in a way that you've never been before. And you're going home in style. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. Amen. I'll tell you, the gospel points to a deliverance. Now, quickly. I'm running out of time. I'm sure you put the clock back there for a reason. Amen. I know he needs it. And so do I. But the gospel also points to a divine plan. Look in our text in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. In the last part of the verse, that's what I want to focus on, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's divine plan to rescue sinners from the bondage of their sin. And what is the gospel? What is the good news about Jesus? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And all who believe in Jesus who did this for them will be saved. This is God's divine plan to save sinners. It's not my plan. It wasn't Paul's plan. It's not Valley Baptist Church's plan. It's God's plan. And it is the only plan that will work. Folks, there are a lot of self-help programs available in our world. But none of them have the power to change your heart. Not a one. Only God's divine plan can do this. 
I can tell you about a man. He's been a drunk for many years. He's been to rehab more times than I can count. He's had the counseling. And he gets out. And then in just a little while, he's fallen off the wagon again. And it's back to rehab. And I want you to know, I believe, that that man is going to die an old drunk unless Jesus delivers him. Jesus is his only hope. Jesus is my only hope. Jesus is your only hope. I don't know what you need this morning. But I know this, whether you are lost or saved, you need him in your life in a special, special way. Tell you, don't be fooled by the freedom this world promotes. It will only lead you deeper into bondage. Cast yourself upon Jesus. Trust him to deliver you, to save you from the sins that may be in your life. If you need him this morning as your personal savior, come to him. He's ready. He's willing. Calvary says he loves you. He has done everything he could do even to the giving of his life so that he could deliver you this very morning from your sin. I urge you to come to him. You may be a Christian this morning. You feel led to pray for something or for someone in your life. You know, it'd be wonderful if we never had any problems on our job or at home or amongst our friends. But that'll never happen until we get to heaven. And sometimes things happen and we're concerned for people. And we know God can help them. And we need to pray for them. And if this is you, I urge you this morning to bring your burden to Jesus. Casting all your care upon him. He actually cares for you. For you. You say, I'm a nobody. Thank God Jesus loves nobodies. Or he had never loved me. And so as we stand together with our heads bowed this morning, the pastor comes and...